Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. I'm Nicholas Ingle and you're listening to the Afternoon Overdrive on Chai FM 101.9. We now cross to Julian Resnick for the Israel Report. Julian, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, hi, shalom. Shalom. So what can you tell us about what is happening on the fronts, both in Gaza and in the north? So, so things are very hard at the moment. I think that uh, the early statements made by both our political and our military leaders were over-optimistic in terms both of the uh, length of the war that they suggested initially we'd be fighting yes. and also the, the cost of the war. You know, I, it's a long, long time since I was a soldier and it's quite, for me, it's quite weird listening to what's going on because the unit that I was in many, many years ago is actually uh, in the front lines and has lost uh, quite a number of soldiers. And all I can tell you is that urban warfare is the most complicated warfare. Yes. And I think that in, the, in Gaza at the moment, Israel is for the first time in its history, and possibly this is the first time in the history of warfare, where the battles are being fought both overground and underground. It's a bizarre reality because some of the fighting you, you know, you can what is called clear the, clear the area above ground, but you still have a huge amount of work underground. There are, there are terrorists popping out from underground tunnels from all, in all types of places. Um, I have to say, uh, the, and the cost to, to us in terms of the loss of life is huge. And, and, and tragically also the cost of life on the other side, on the Palestinian side, in terms of Palestinian civilians is, is awful as well. And, you know, I will say something very different from what, uh, many people around the world are saying. I'm angry with Hamas for two, for two reasons. One, because of, of what they've done to us, to us in Israel. And two, what they're doing to their own people. Unfortunately, around the world, people are laying blame for what is happening to Palestinian civilians at our door, and they yes. actually should be laying it at the door of the Hamas, who have really, really let the Palestinian people down in the most awful way. So there's intense fighting in the south, and it's going to continue. It's going to continue for quite a while. And tragically, I think that the losses are going to continue to be great, both in terms of our soldiers and uh, on the other side, right. tragic too. Yes, absolutely. What's happening up, up north? north? We, we, sorry. sorry. So up north is, is, is extremely worrying. It's extremely worrying because um, we know, uh, you know, it's common knowledge, I'm sure you know as well, that the Hezbollah has a huge stockpile of weapons, some of it quite advanced weaponry. Uh, all of it, almost all of it supplied by Iran, yes. who are clearly, who clearly is a major player as well in what's happening at the moment. And the, the there's a big question in terms of what develops up north. Um, you know, will the, you know, will it become a full scale war up north or will, uh, or will, Ham or will Hezbollah retreat to some extent? That's the big question on the table. Because the, the the Israelis who live close to the northern border are saying categorically, and they're absolutely right, we cannot return to a situation in which there is continual bombardment. Yes. 
the problem is fighting on two fronts isn't easy. And of course, there's the, the third front, the, the bizarre front, uh, coming out of Yemen, which is really not a Yemeni front. It's an Iranian front. It is quite simply an Iranian uh, attack on Israel. And of course, the international community at some point has to make a decision. At what point does this become larger than just the conflict involving us and, and our borders and I think many, many players internationally are very anxious about what that potentially means. Yes. With regards to the Houthis, I mean, the effect on international maritime trade has been quite extensive. What sort of support are we seeing from the, the international community in terms of supporting Israel on this potential third front? So, so the international community is being very, very careful. It's being careful because I think there's an understanding that there are many, many potential players involved over here. You know, there's the question of it, it does, you know, the Iranians and the Russians are in bed. Does this change the reality with respect to what's happening with the conflict with, uh, between Russia and the Ukraine? Yes. The Chinese have big interests in the, the Red Sea in terms of international shipping. What does that mean? The, the, the British have, have, have interests. But there's, I think there's a great reluctance amongst countries who, in a way, should be standing up on their hind legs and saying, you cannot, in, you, you cannot interrupt international trade like this. Um, there's a, there's an anxiety about, you know, being drawn into a much broader conflict. Right. Because there is a potential. You know, the Iranians also, as I'm sure you are aware, the last little while have been increasing dramatically. Their um, production of uh, of you know of uranium, uranium. Mm. you know their refinement of uranium, which is very worrying. Um, and you know the you know ultimately the 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 question is going to become: is this a, a conflict between Israel and and the Hamas, or is it something much much broader? And uh, right. that that is, that is going to worry the international community also on the economic level, of course. If we look at the in terms of the players in the situation, are is there anyone that we sort of we haven't mentioned? We've spoken about Hamas, the Palestinians, the the Authority, the Houthis, and Hezbollah. Who are the other sort of players in this situation? Looking at the West as well. You know that that might well, the, 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 right. So that might escalate the, the, the situation. So the, mm. the major the, the major Western power, of course, is the United States of America, and the United States of America is in a very strange situation because within a few weeks, it's going to become it's going to be the beginning of the the primaries for the yes. twenty twenty four elections, and that's going to impact dramatically on the decisions that uh, the Democratic Party under President Biden des, uh, decide to make. It's going to impact on how Congress and the, and the Senate move forward. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's a bizarre thing to say, but those are it's hugely significant. It's also hugely significant for us because without the supply of American ammunition more than arms, actually, at the moment, right. so we need the American ammunition desperately. We cannot continue fighting this war without American support. And it is a huge, huge issue. And for those people who, you know, who say sometimes, as some people do over here as well, ignore the Americans and just do what's what's good for us. Right. 
we can't ignore the Americans. It, it's impossible to ignore the Americans. It, it uh, it's just not a realistic uh, response to the situation. And also, in, in and of terms course, the Americans of, know that, and so it's leverage. Yes, and also in, in terms of the American support, but it, it'll help Israel to continue a ground war without that support, then Israel is going to be perhaps forced to focus on using the air force more, and that's going to cause far more, you know, civilian casualties. So there's that aspect so, as well. Uh, right. Hmm. I mean, I, th- I think the thing to be uh, to be really aware of is that, you know, there's no good solution and bad solution. Yes. You know, there are, there are, there are many, many, there, there are options, and each option is has its the problems attached to it. Right. Uh, you know that. Um, you know, when, when people talk about us carpet bombing, it, it's it's nonsense. And it's if we were mm. carpet bombing, we wouldn't have lost all these, yes. you know, soldiers that we've lost over the last couple of weeks on the ground. Because when you carpet bomb, you don't have your infantry in. For right. me, one of the great tragedies when I hear people talking about what, what's happening is that many, many of the people who discuss what is happening have absolutely no knowledge. Of warfare. Yes. And warfare is awful. It is terrible. Everybody loses in warfare. But at some point, you have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to protect our, our people in our country. Yep. And, and our soldiers. You know, I'm of, you know, yeah. And mm. I, I am, you know, in terms of, you know, I'm not going to be not going to discuss my politics, but mm. I would prefer there to be peaceful solutions to everything. As I am sure, by the way, is the case with the vast majority of uh, of Palestinians. Yes. Now, unfortunately, the vast majority of Palestinians have no say. There's no there's no democratic situation in either Gaza or on the West Bank. And tragically, the people who pay the price are the people who who don't have a voice in right. you know in both Palestinian areas. What what is the mood on the ground? And you know, what are we seeing in terms of post traumatic stress? How is the resilience? Of the Israeli population holding up, how is the resilience of the the Gazans holding up? So I, I can't obviously talk mm. for for the Gazans. Mm. I you know I, I I really have have no you know I have a I, I you know I I have the same level of knowledge about them uh, as as you do. Right. In terms of Israel, we we there is a range of uh, of powerful uh, experiences we're going through at the moment. Everybody's traumatized over here. There is such a strong feeling of trauma. You know, every day on television, you, we see, you know, you know, tragic, tragic funerals every day. Yes. Um, everybody, because it's a small country, everybody knows somebody who has lost, has lost people. Uh, everybody knows, you know, one of the hostages or knows the family of one of the hostages. And that is, there's a tremendous amount of pain. Uh, and trauma, and, and at the same time, there's an extraordinary response in the in the people of Israel uh, with, uh, that is responding with with amazing resilience to the situation. I, I think one of the one of the bizarre things about our situation is how magnificently ordinary people have responded. Right. And then I will say this may be unpo- unpopular among some of your listeners. How badly our our, our political leadership has. Right. Has responded in the situation. It, it, for, you know, the gaps of, now I'm not talking only about the way the, the political leadership is handling the war. There's so many other things you have to take care of in a war situation. And the government is just not doing its job uh, well. But there are so many small little ground, you know, grassroots mm-hmm. 
activities happening by people. There's an ex-South African. Hmm. There's an ex-South African woman from Durban yep. who is the hamburgers together. Is cooking mm. for for soldiers up north. Yes, making thousands of meals every day. Right. You, you might have heard of her, and it's yep. worth speaking with her. Yes. And you know there are you know I'm I'm involved in some fundraising as well via people that I know mainly in America. Right. And we are are giving to to grassroots amazing grassroots stuff. You know it. You know I I I think at, at one at the same time I am ashamed of the way the government of Israel has handled things, and I'm incredibly proud of the way ordinary Israelis have responded. Julian, that's absolute, that, that, it's upsetting to hear, but it's wonderful to hear because the people of Israel themselves are taking the lead in this. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have for today. That was the Israel Report with Julian Resnick.